Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle Podcast. I'm your gracious and humble host, Jonathan Wiegand, back behind the golden OPP microphone. We're at it again, folks. We're doing our DS9 reviews. We keep trucking. We keep going. Nothing's going to stop us now. (laughs) I may have drunk so much coffee today, so I'm coming out very strong, and I apologize. But yes, Captive Pursuit That is the episode we are reviewing today, and I am pumped to cover it. It is the Miles O'Brien coming out party. Finally, the most important man of Star Trek gets some love and gets some spotlight. So I'm excited to to bring him up and to kind of deep dive into this crazy episode that is Captive Pursuit. Really excited. We do have a little bit of news, though. We found out uh, over the past uh, week or so that... Uh, Discovery is coming out April 4th, and I know my DMs have been clamoring with with voices from on high saying, are, are we going to do a review episode here on OPP, a review episode, review series on OPP of Discovery? And I will say no, I don't like Discovery. And if you do, that's okay. You can like things and me not like them. That's called being a normal human being. So if you like Discovery awesome. I don't. Will I still watch it? Yeah, but I'm not going to make a review episode about it or review series about it, but hopefully it's good. I want it to be good, so let's go on that. Hopefully it's going to knock our socks off. I'm getting a lot of looks from the team. They don't think so. Well, anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about today. Uh, Also, some uh, in-house news. I am going to be going on vacation soon, so I'm probably not going to come out with an episode maybe in the next maybe the second or third week of march we'll see exactly it's kind of weird how it always ends up with our schedule but never fear we still have many many great episodes before then also i just kind of had a great moment um, with a very close friend of mine and this close friend of mine was actually dealing with very toxic people at their at their work and um, no matter where you are listening to this, whether you've been in a career for 20 years, 20, 30 years, about to retire, or you're just starting out, or maybe you're yourself, just got laid off or got fired or decided to walk away, or even in relationships or friendships, never put up with toxicity, never put up with people that make you feel small or stupid. You're better than that. You are worth more than that. Expect and just walk away. Because sometimes that's all you really can do with toxic people is just walk away. And that's what my friend did. So I'm encouraging anybody in the midst of that now, if you're debating whether you should or not, please do. And I know that's kind of out of left field, but I thought, hey, this is a little heartfelt. Maybe we'll get some uh, little Dr. Phil uh, message on OPP before (laughs) before we get started. Luna, I think that's all we got. Without further ado, let's get into Captive Pursuit.
So I'm sitting here with my uh, Coca-Cola spiced. And no, that's not alcoholic. So long story short, this I got gifted this 12-pack of Coca-Cola. Is it is it spiced? Luna? Luna the intern, everybody. Okay. And it just, it tastes, I don't know, like Christmassy Coca-Cola? I don't know. Again, we don't get paid through any advertisers or anything on the show, but... So if you hear that, that's why. But I'm just tasting this for the first time, and maybe I shouldn't have done that when we decided to go live and start recording. But uh, I'm all over the place tonight, folks. But we're we're gonna focus in here. And so with with captive pursuits, kind of our first thought is it reminds me of just this, you know, who's coming out of the wormhole this week? It's kind of that style of episode, and this one really kind of skews any serious attempt at any world build, any world building in the DS9 arena and it's just a very straightforward story for the most important person in Starfleet history Chief Miles O'Brien I mean don't get me wrong there, there's a few twists here and there and, and the episode's resolution is a subtle reminder you know hey we're not in Kansas anymore this is very different than a starship but to me for the most part Captive Pursuit is just this kind of an excuse to give Kalamini just the much deserved focus that he deserves and that I want to see more of, damn it. <laughs> uh, I mean, and don't get me wrong, there, there is some moral complexity to this episode, which is great. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of reminds me of the episode we just did a couple weeks ago called Babel. And I mean, it's very formulaic, you know? It, it's not so much that we don't, we, we know everything that's going to happen. It's that we know at the end, the revol- resolution is going to be all tidy and complete. And that they're very classic, original series, what we call standalone episodes. They're kind of a universe in and of themselves. Nothing, you cannot watch it and be perfectly okay to see the rest of DS9. You know, it's not really going to earth shatter anything and there's no callbacks to it. That's just the way it is. And a lot of times we get that in DS9 and in other Star Treks. And that is a classic Trek trope. So I'm not going to harp on that or complain about that, that too much. Yeah, Luna, it is formulaic. Look, so in like Babel, the the doctor discovers a cure for the virus. And then O'Brien helps his alien buddy escape, capture. And then they go on their merry way. I mean, they kind of linger there if you if you watch this show. But it is what it is. It's it's true of every show like i just said but i mean there's real no direct consequences that we ever see either way let's not get into that right now we have a lot to cover today so for those of you who have not watched captive pursuit in some time um we're going to give a quick recap here and if you have wonderful we're going to give another recap so don't worry guys um in in this episode an alien ship of just unknown oranges comes through the wormhole like a bat out of hell like meatloaf at a buffet and it docks at deep deep space nine so the ship has been very damaged and cisco sends o'brien to check it out and to also talk to the pilot based on the idea that you know maybe o'brien would have a warmer welcome than this delegation of starfleet officers and that and that right there is just wild to me because in all the other shows especially tng you see this just reverence and over the top and this just crazy obsession and the right first contact protocols and it's just over like overdone and then now you just have cisco be like yeah man just go say hi to him in the in the 
you know, in the hallway and say what's up. It might be a little bit better than having all the guys come out. So I think I think that's kind of odd, but maybe Cisco is just trying to move the plot along and make this really about O'Brien because O'Brien makes first contact with this odd lizard-like creature who calls himself or herself or something Tosk. And you know the two gradually bond and well even Tosk doesn't kind of provide information about his background or exactly what his damages sit. He said that oh uh, the wormhole damaged my ship but you know O'Brien's not buying it. There's all this uh, phaser fire all over it and eventually Odo catches Tosk trying to break into the station's weapons locker uh, by pretending to be a painting. <laughs> the alien gets sent to the brig and then all of a sudden we have another strange ship arrive through the wormhole. This time however they're not responding to the hails they just beam directly into the promenade. They're hunters and they're looking for Tosk and to them this is all part of a quote-unquote game you know it's kind of a almost a ritualistic point of honor and pride and and this eternal struggle between Tosk and hunter and it's just this back and forth and so eventually these hunters get to Tosk and kind of ridicule him and put him through the ringer for being so easily captured by uh, i guess these humans and kind of saying you're going to be shameful you're going to be terrible you're going to be ridiculed all your life because of how terrible job you did that's about it so before they beam out o'brien decides to lend his friend a new hand uh new hand <laughs> sorry D- uh we're not going to cut that we're keeping that so o'brien decides to lend his friend a hand and help him escape because cisco goes into before hey we can't help this guy this is prime directive rules general diplomacy we can't really interfere with this type of quote-unquote game the most dangerous game apparently so through o'brien's innate bond with tosk they have a chance to kind of flourish eventually get out and o'brien sends them on his way and they're all good so everyone's happy they have a cool send-off and that's about it that's that's the episode now that we're done with the recap the thing that sticks out most about this episode is just the chumminess, you know, just kind of buddy that O'Brien has with Tosk. And it, it, we haven't really seen this during his TNG days, and it, it will have a chance to flourish on DS9. We'll eventually see that with Julian Brashear and their and their relationship flourish, and, and them have just that the one of the best bromances <laughs> from our from our prior episode, the best bromances in Star Trek, and it's great. But I really like that this is one of um, O'Brien's first kind of feature episode. You know, he's a very frustrated, he's a bit stressed, but fundamentally he's a very likable character, very great. And I think that's something like openly human about O'Brien that kind of sets him apart from other chief engineers on the Star Trek lore. So in, in the next generation, we have, you know, we have Geordi, who's not really confident, who's also kind of nerdier and tend to tend to spend his uh off time and and off hours you know hitting up ladies and playing dress up with an albino robot yes who wrote that luna good gosh (laughs) so yeah that's him playing like sherlock holmes with data so he's a little bit different than than o'brien and plus then you have um from the original series, you have Scotty, who had this kind of swagger, and he had the accent, and he wasn't a bad character, but he's more of kind of an archetype, especially in the '60s. And um, 
he's never really got beyond that kind of box of stereotype and to me he really didn't get truly likable until the the film franchise you get to see him a little bit more and my personal favorite scotty moment that i love the most is when he did the tng episode relics um i just it was a guest appearance but it was great and especially his famous line when he's at the holodeck like i don't want no bloody a or b or c just give me the enterprise and i was like yes that is scotty to a t and so with o'brien you know it, it's different from those other two heavy hitters you know brian's a smart guy he knows his stuff but he mostly comes across like as a blue collar guy you know down to earth just do what he takes to get the job done you know it's not even about uh the doing it part it's just getting the job done and that's a very old family guy reference that i'm putting in the show and i don't care i mean he's a union man and if you're a big fan of ds9 and has seen the show before you'll you'll understand the reference so he's a union man i mean his wife is is interesting keiko i mean it's it's sometimes they fight a lot on screen and and his job can be kind of thankless on the best of days i mean space station it really isn't as impressive as starship you know i'm a chief engineer of a starship versus chief engineer of a station just kind of doesn't have the same cool factor to it but you know o'brien doesn't complain and he's very friendly to everybody and to me it's kind of like you know where some of the other trek engineers and they kind of be a little showy o'brien comes across the guy that work and the work that's not very sexy and it has to be done and i'm gonna do it whether no one really cares about it or what it needs to be done to have the station running and so i think that's really cool and a really good attitude to have but this man has a very difficult job but the basic impression that meanie gives the episode is like yeah we're gonna get the job done and i and i think you need kind of characters like that on a show like ds9 to kind of balance the complexity of everyone else cisco has this tragic past where he lost his wife and and he has this emissary thing and then you know kira's dealing with this new role in provisional government and then she's a past you um, freedom fighter and they're all trying to figure out where everybody's at and then odo doesn't know where he is and the bashir and dax are you know well they're just kind of there right now and trying not to get charged with sexual harassment and then you just have to have o'brien just kind of hanging out you know lighten the mood every once in a while he's not the comic relief that quark is you know quark is the comic relief of the show I think O'Brien's there just to be the good guy without complication. Straightforward, meat and potatoes. You know, nothing frilly. To me, one of the biggest frustrations in this episode is coming up with a way to help Tosk after the hunters arrive. So you have these hunters show up that look like something out of the 70s with their crazy uh, uniforms and it just looks very over the top the helmets and the bling, bling, bling i don't know like the cross chest thing that looks like it's something from laser cats that's a deep snl reference too but if you don't know so so o'brien's trying to <laughs> i don't know how we got this, down this rabbit hole so o'brien's trying to figure something out and he couldn't live with himself if he did you know just let this this kind of um friend walk away and get kind of just ridiculed the rest of his life and he couldn't handle that so o'brien kind of got worked up about not trying to interfere with rituals of another culture and somewhat and he disobeyed his commanding officer in the process and this to me is like a clear case of like you don't want 
the little guy to get messed with. And it's morally wrong for him to get hunted and bred this way. And so it's a morally appropriate response. He's like, I got to take care of my friend here. He's getting hunted like a fish in the barrel and his life is going to be miserable and I can't do that. That's really cool to see. It's really fun to see O'Brien step in. Just as much fun as it when Cisco tells Odo to take his time tracking O'Brien and toss down. Very OG, cool moment. I, I was like, peak Cisco, man. Peak Cisco right there. And it, it might even I would say it's one of the best gags of the of the first season in the early seasons by far, because then you see Odo slowly be like, slow motion to the turbo lift. And there's a kind of a flaw with this episode. So the fun part is to see, and the and the interesting, complex part of the episode is is to see O'Brien have that morally appropriate response and help Tosk out. But on the flip side, it's it's a two-sided coin here. On the flip side, it shows that there's really no risk at all. There's no consequences for, for O'Brien or anybody on the station. So Tosk was created by these hunters to be hunted. And his life is defined by escape and escaping. And he seems kind of potential threatening at first. You know, he's very different. But eventually, you know, the truth comes out and it's impossible not to be on his side. And it's going to be a you're going to be a huge jerk if you let the hunters take him away. Now they want to be help out a nice stranger to feel better about themselves. And Tosk remains hunted and still in this world and culture remain a mystery. And but Tosk is still out there. So it seems like to me there's really no risk because like we don't see O'Brien face punishment or court-martialed or anything for disobeying a direct order. It's just kind of like hunky go dory. He's let him go. You know, he fires on the promenade and it looks like he kills a guy or Toss kills one of those guys. They just like don't call for Julian or help. They just leave him. So even if they're like on the verge of death, they're like, well, bye friend. And so it's just, there's no consequences to it. So I just feel like that one-off standalone episodes kind of hurt it in this case. I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to be too harsh. You know, Captive Pursuit is, is not a classic, but it is entertaining. And, you know, it does kind of solidify that O'Brien has a, a strong, principled moral compass. And O'Brien's got, and also shows us that O'Brien's got some skills too. Like he can navigate and get around and fight and kind of have this crazy, cool special ops side of him that we haven't really seen before. So that's awesome. I would never really think of O'Brien as the dude that's going to have be be the moral authority on anything that's i think that's critical to his character you know we have an ensemble who by and large are convinced they know what's best and here we have o'brien who's a man you know he's comfortable with machines but views himself as a soldier and not an officer and he's working in the trenches while the higher-ups are making the big choices and so men like that often end up with more than they bargain for but it's somebody you want around. And I think he adds a lot of salt to the dish of DS9. And I'm glad he got his uh, <laughs> he got his moment in the sun in this episode. Kind of like Babel. I like this episode a lot more than Babel. But speaking of ratings, before we get into that, we'll get into some, into some stray observations I just want to make some comments at. And I always have fun with this. So first off, so freaking Quark has like sexual harassment and assault built into the contracts so it's kind of like 
what the f prostitution and i just couldn't get like that's the one of the opening scenes of the episode it's like she's like i didn't know it was in my contract it's it's in the ferengi fine print i was like um what (laughs) of course cisco's like oh i'm gonna take care of it but still like I, i know the ferengi were all about greed but i didn't know they were very like perverse either and so I think that as we go on through the series, it, it is kind of there's like a perverse side to the Ferengis. And this is one of the very first big ones we we see. Second, I think that lady, the Dabo girl, looks like a bounty hunter from Star Wars. I don't know, maybe this is me. And if you're a big Star Wars fan, you'd be like, yeah, she kind of does. Also, super weird that Cisco made her leave through the side door and not into ops. But either way, read that for what it is. From a production value, you can still tell they're trying to mess with the lighting. It really is kind of weird. So like it quarks, it seems like very bright. It seems very in your face. Same thing in, in ops. Like they're still trying to, f- I feel like the production's still trying to figure it out a little bit. And I think that's, I don't know, a little, little odd to see. So if you're like, something in this episode's off, it's probably the lighting. Next, I, I did a little bit of research. So Tosk, when I was watching the episode, reminded me, of the Sulaban from Star Trek Enterprise. They look similar, but they are very different. No way, shape, or form connected at all. They're just very green men that can turn themselves invisible. So maybe distant cousins, I don't know. Because as we know, Tosk is a species and a name. It's both. (laughs) Also, one of the great kind of lessons from this episode that I get is O'Brien, when he is at the very end and and busts Tosk out, it reminds me of this quote that's like, hey, if you don't like how the table is set, rearrange the table. And that's what O'Brien did. He rearranged the table, got his buddy out of there. And that's a great life lesson. So anyway, that has been our episode review and recap and stray observations. I, I would rate the episode so five is absolutely amazing, earth-shadowing. Oh my gosh, my face is on the floor. One is Star Trek Discovery. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Luna. I know you like Discovery. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so one's is, is really bad. I, I would put this solid at like a 3.4, um, 3.5, because I, I, I like O'Brien in this episode. That He makes the episode really fun, but it is very standalone, very own universe, no consequences, no risk. So that's why I'm keeping it right in that a little bit above right that three three marks so 3.4 3.5 that has been our episode thank you so much for listening and luna let's roll that beautiful bean footage thank you so much for listening and please let me know what you guys think of Captive Pursuit or any of our DS9 reviews. Hit us up on social media on Instagram. Chill and talk on there. You can send a DM. We'll love to talk with you guys there about it and maybe point out things you agree with, point out things you disagree with. Maybe you hated this episode and thought it was a pile of garbage or you thought it was the greatest thing to ever bestow upon DS9 and Star Trek. So please let me know. Love talking to you with you guys. A quick reminder, check out my my good friend's uh, movie blog. He's coming out with some great stuff. That's www.jasontalksmovies.wordpress.com. Address again is www.jasontalksmovies.wordpress.com. Link is in the episode description. 
please check it out. He has some great funny stuff. Um, I know he's going to be doing some more stuff coming up in the future. So always make it a point to read his uh, blog and, and his reviews on movies and just everything in life and in between. Um, he even let me uh, know how to fix my leaky faucet. So you never know what you're going to get on there. Again, be look on the lookout. We have a couple more exciting episodes coming out, some book reviews coming out soon. So be on the lookout for that. And as always, remember to take care of yourselves. We're getting out of that terrible winter depression, and now our depressions can just go to normal and not seasonal. <laughs> Is that a terrible joke? That may be a terrible joke. Anyway, feel free to reach out to people, your friends, your loved ones, you're important, you're needed, and we want you here. And with saying that, Luna, second start of the right, straight on till morning.